0: Father, we bless you for this opportunity to get into your word on this evening. Lord, I pray let revelation knowledge flow freely, uninterrupted, and unchecked by any satanic or demonic force. I pray, Lord, that you would speak to my vocal cords and think to my mind. I pray, Lord, none of me and all of you. I pray for utterance of the Holy Spirit, for the gifts of the Spirit to be operation and manifestation. Father, I pray you give us ears to receive what you have for us on this evening and for everything that you'll do, we'll be careful to give you all the praise and all the glory that's due your name. It's in Jesus' name, everyone did say amen. Let's go ahead and make this confession of our faith. Say, Father, I've come to receive revelation, wisdom, and understanding from your holy word. And I fully expect the Holy Spirit to bear witness with my spirit concerning the revelation of the word and how to apply it in my life on a daily basis. I'm a do of the word and not a hearer only. Amen, amen. I want to take this opportunity to say welcome to Bible study. Amen. Welcome to Bible study. Let's begin here with tonight's Bible study. We're going to start at... Um, Hebrews chapter number three. Hebrews chapter number three, and looking at verse number five. Hebrews chapter number three, looking at verse number five out of the New Living Translation. The scripture says this Moses was certainly faithful in God's house as a servant. His work was an illustration of the truths of God would reveal later. Moses was certainly, this again is the New Living Translation. Moses was certainly faithful in God's house as a servant. His work was an illustration of the truths God would reveal later. Now for the month of March, we are reading through the book of Exodus. We're reading through the book of Exodus and it, it chronicles Uh, the story of Moses and how he begins to answer the call of God to become the deliverer of Israel. Israel, of course, is in bondage because the Bible says in uh, Exodus chapter 1, there arose a Pharaoh that did not know Joseph. In other words, Joseph's contributions did not know that the blessing of Egypt was directly connected to this uh, nation of Israel. And so since he was... Uh, someone not familiar with that or someone that did not know Joseph and Joseph's people he subjugated them into slavery and over the course of time they became slaves and they they grew still massively in number that they that this king this Pharaoh became intimidated by the growth of Israel that he came up with a scheme he came up with uh, something that of a plan to 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 uh, Changed the trajectory of the nation of Israel and their growth so he said what we're going to do is we're going to kill all the boys and so that's what he began to methodically do and in this course of time Moses and his mother uh is places Moses on the river now we looked at that on last week and 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 she saves uh, uh her son from destruction in this course of time we see in uh That what happens is that Moses is saved from the river now by Pharaoh's uh, daughter and he grows up and he matriculates in Pharaoh's house. But yet, unlike what we see in the Prince of Egypt, unlike what we see perhaps in even the historical Ten Commandments, there is a separation between what the scriptures indicate and what those movies showed us. We see that Moses was under no illusion. Yes. Yes. By the way, no, that's why we're reading through. It was the daughter, amen? (laughs) Yep, the daughter. Now, that's again why we're reading through the book of Exodus, so that we can look and examine what the scriptures say as opposed to maybe what a movie showed us in the past. So that's why we're reading through the book of Exodus. We can know what the stories are. Are in fact, what the Word of God is telling us concerning this particular story of the Exodus. Now, the reason why I'm saying all of this is because what we looked at just a few moments ago we're in Hebrews chapter number 3 and verse number 5 tells us that Moses was certainly, certainly fulfilled God, uh, faithful to God's house as a servant. His work was an illustration of the truths that, uh, uh, that God would reveal later. Well, The whole story of the Exodus is a type and a shadow of the journey of faith and redemption. The entirety of the story uh, that we find in the book of of Exodus is one that we can see the the correlations between uh, what God would ultimately do in the New Testament or in this dispensation of grace. Egypt, in a sense, represents sin and bondage. It represents sin and bondage. They are in slavery physically, and before you get born again, you are a slave to sin. Moses represents the deliverer, which is a type Christ that would leave from where he was residing to return so that he could become the deliverer of the people. The plagues in the book of, uh, in the book of Exodus represent the sovereignty of God. One of the things that we, if you really take an, a close examination of each of the ten plagues, what you will discover is that they correspond with a belief system that is within Egypt in regards to their uh, theo, uh, their, their theology of the day. In fact, we see like, you know, with, with one of the plagues of darkness, this was to illustrate to the nation of Egypt that God is God above that of what they were worshiping, the god Ra. So it was an illustration of the sovereignty of God, an illustration of the sovereignty of God to both the nation of Egypt and also to the children of God, because at this point they had been slaves for a long time, and the only thing that they could remember is perhaps the stories they heard about their great, about their great, 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 great grandfather Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. And so God was displaying His sovereignty over the God of that known time period. We also represent uh, that the firstborn represents Jesus' sacrifice for our sins. Jesus' sacrifice for our sins. That's the reason why he talks about one of the last plagues would be that, you know, uh, the way to not be overcome by that plague. He said you got to put the lamb's blood above the doorstep. The lamb's blood represents being covered by the blood of the lamb, which we are in the New Testament. There is a direct correlation between that as a type and shadow and what we would see fulfilled in Jesus Christ. We also see that the cloud by day represents the presence of the Father. The cloud by day represents the presence of the Father. The fire by night represents the presence of the Holy Spirit within the darkened world. The fire of the Holy Spirit, which we read about in Acts chapter number two, right? The Red Sea also represents redemption, being born again, being brought into the water and coming out as a new person or a new man. This is what the Red Sea represents for the children of Israel, that they go in running from Pharaoh, but they come out saved from Pharaoh their enemy defeated, and becoming a new nation. The wilderness represents learning their identity and sanctification. This is where you see uh, God begin giving them the law. He begins telling them, this is how you ought to operate. What is that? Sanctification. I want you to start getting Egypt out of your system and embracing my ways and my laws. That is what sanctification is. And he says, I want you to start doing this because I want you to know I am the Lord, your God, which means change your identity from slave to sons and daughters of the most high God. I'm your God. Now, the various battles that we see within the book of Exodus represent spiritual conquest, spiritual conquest. Now, interesting enough, Let's look at Exodus because, like I said, we're reading through the book of Exodus, certain things I'm going to point out. And just for the sake of time, I can't point out everything. But I want you to look at this over Exodus chapter 13. And I always found this fascinating. (laughs) Exodus chapter 13 and verse number 18. Let's start at 17. Scripture says this. Talks about when they're they've been freed, right? And they're coming out. It came to pass that Pharaoh had let the people go, and God led them not through the way of the land of the Philistines, although that was near. For God said, Lest perventure the people repent when they see war and they return to Egypt. He says, verse 18. And, but God led the people, but God led the people through the way of the wilderness of the Red Sea and the children of Israel went up uh, hardened hearted out of the land of Egypt. Now notice though, 17 and 18 indicates to us there is a shorter path in order for them to get to the promised land. God says, I can't carry them that way. Because the shorter path will require something for them, from them that they are not prepared for. It's going to require that they have to fight. Well, slaves don't know how to fight. All slaves, when you identify yourself as a slave, all you know how to do is be subjected to bondage. And God says, I can't carry them the quickest way because of who they are. They don't identify with me. They don't identify with their purpose. And I can't carry them that way. And so he says, all right, I got to carry them through process. And through process, they will become the people that they were ordained to be. And I believe there's a correlation here. That's the reason why God says a lot of times we got to wait because he says, all right, it's not that you couldn't go faster, it's that you're not ready. Because if you see the thing, the fight that you're going to have to wage against an obstacle, right now you will run back to the way you used to live, the way you used to think. You will retreat, in other words. So God says, I can't carry you that way. With the children of Israel, this is what it looks like. God said, all right, I know them. I can't carry you this way. These fights, if you will, represent spiritual conquest in our very lives in this dispensation of grace, this New Testament that we live in. It represents the times where God is maturing us in the wilderness through identification and sanctification so that we get Egypt out of our thinking, out of our psyche. Now, the promised land represents uh, can be representative of two distinct ideas. It could be representative of this potential of this area of heaven, but it also can be a place of purpose, a place of purpose. So as we look at the book of Exodus, there are types and shadows and applications that we can have within our very lives. But one of the things we've got to be clear of, and we don't live under the law, and we understand that aspect, and we'll talk about that more and more as we continue within teaching in this church, but we are looking at it because there are different nuggets that God will give us out of just understanding those type of people, those things that they went through, and how we can extrapolate that within our lives. Now, having said all that, let's turn, if you will, we begin tonight at Hebrews chapter number 10. Hebrews chapter number 10. And this is where we're going to jump off with our assignment this evening. Hebrews chapter number 10. And let's look at verse 35. Hebrews chapter 10 and verse 35. The scripture says, Cast not away, therefore, your confidence, which has great, notice the term, recompense of reward. He says, cast not, another translation says, fling not away your your confidence, which has great recompense of reward. Recompense of reward. He says, verse 36, for ye have need of patience, that after ye have done the will of God, ye might receive the promise. So we look at this in reverse. The promises of God are received through patience with confidence. If you don't cast away the confidence that you walked in. My assignment this evening and over the course of, I don't know how many sessions we have is to minister on the subject faith in the God of recompense faith in, in the god of recompense he says cast away therefore he says cast not therefore away your confidence which has great and he uses the term recompense of reward now this becomes important because as we begin talking about serving God walking with God There is something that the spirit of God was dropping in my heart. And he says, all right, one of the things we got to make sure is right in place in the hearts of the people that will listen to you is that, in fact, there is an understanding about the God of recompense. That everything that God tells you to do, every place he sets your feet and your hands to do, there is a recompense for what he called you to do and specifically when we talk in terms of a recompense we usually think in terms of heaven oh heaven oh oh when i get to heaven but in fact what we will discover within this lines these lines of teaching is that when he's talking about recompense he's not talking about recompense in heaven he's talking about here on the earth so he says cast not away your confidence Because it's possible you could be walking with God, doing things and living, and you think that it is not getting you anywhere. Nothing's happening, nothing's changing. When God is indicating to us tonight that you got to walk in a level of confidence in regards to the fact that God that sees you in private will reward you openly. He says, cast not away your confidence, which has great recompense of reward. Verse 36 But he indicates this, for ye have need of patience. Patience has to be key to you receiving the recompense of reward. After you've done the will of God that you might receive the promises. He says, for, verse 37, for yet a little while. And he that shall come will come, and he will not tarry. So he says the key to you receiving From the God of recompense is always going to be this area of patience. You have need of patience that after you've done the will of God, you might receive the promise. Patience, patience. Some things don't come overnight, but God watches you over a length of time. When God watches you performing in a length of time, this is called faithfulness. When I am faithful, God says, I am a rewarder of those that faithfully perform those assignments that I have, in fact, given them. He says he'll bless the faithful, the God of recompense, who sees my quiet activities, who sees my, my obedience even in areas where I don't think he sees me at all. He says, I am the one that will reward you. That time when you decided, no, I'm not going to operate in my flesh. I'm going to stay spiritual. God said, I see that, and it's going in the book. The time when you said, I'm not going to do this, I'm going to do that. He says, I see that, and there is a reward for living right. Now, the word confidence means assurance, Cast not away your assurance. Cast not away your boldness. Cast not away your, it also means courage. You should be confident. You should be assured. You should have a boldness that when I live for God is going somewhere. Now, the word recompense, what does that mean? The word recompense means payment of wages, due. Let me say that again. It means payment of wages due. If I am being recompensed, whether it's something good or something even bad, it is payment for work or something that has been done. It is a payment that is due to you. Now, it comes from the root word, compensation. When we think of terms of recompense, we see the root word is compensation. Well, what is compensation? We understand it to be payment for a debt or an obligation. Payment for a debt or an obligation. It means satisfaction. It means to amend. It means retribution. It even means punishment. Now, holding to this first portion of the definition means payment for a debt or an obligation. Now, when I go to work, I love my people. I do. I love all the folks in there. The individual lives, we talk and everything. I'm concerned about every one of them. I pray for every last one of them that work in my office and the ones that I come in contact with. But at the end of the day, every two weeks, I am looking for something to show up in my account. And in the event that it doesn't, as much as I love them, we're going to have a problem with the company or the group that I work with because I have rendered work and there is something that is due to me. And for me to say, all right, I need this compensation is not an unrighteous thing. It is not something with me being arrogant. I work and I should get paid for the work that I did. This is what recompense or to compensate means. I'm paying you back for something that was performed. The word recompense, if you take the word the recompense, it means uh, when you put recompense, the R-E literally means to compensate or it means essentially you put it together, it means to balance out. It means when I'm recompensing you, I am balancing out the books. When I look across, and I say, well, they did work here but they weren't paid. We gotta balance out the books because they are deserving of a paycheck for the work that was in fact completed. This is one of the reasons why getting our credit together is important because you use somebody else's money to pay for something, they are owed that money. We can't just say, well, we're just gonna let that go and you know, did the Lord bless it No, No, you use their money. They said there was an interest on their money And you said when you signed the line that you're going to pay it back. They're owed that money. I know in my office, once again, when we have subcontractors and we call them out to do specific work, we say, all right, this is the work that needs to be done. And they begin to do the work. Because of the entity that I work for, what they will do is they will perform the work. And after they perform the work, they will bring or they will send into the office an invoice. The invoice at that time is for work that has been performed. In other words, there is an expectation that payment will follow the work that has been performed. So, once again, to recompense, dare I say, means to repay. It also means to reward, it means to repay, to recompensate, it means to reward. I am rewarding you, but it's not a reward based on, uh, you know, like like doing nothing. This is one of the problems with rewarding people for doing nothing, they don't understand the concept. Yeah. Participation awards is, is another bad one. That's the reason why I don't have a problem with first, second, and third, because it gives you a set goal that you wanna reach for. If everybody gets the same thing, then then, there's you know, a problem because, you know, they everybody said, well, I did more effort than they did. Now, when it comes to certain things, yeah, that's how God treats us all, but God treats us differently as opposed when it comes to our individual assignment. We're going to show you that as well. Spiritually, Yeah, God treats all the churches exactly the same. But God does have a tendency to repay back the people that work for him differently from those that decided they don't want to work for God. And there are a lot of people in the kingdom of God that don't work for the kingdom. They go to church, they get the churchy feeling, and they go right back out in the street doing whatever it is they want to do. God is not a first consideration. He's a last consideration. God said there is a payday for that or that, that decision that you've made within your life. When you decide, I'm just going to do what I want to do, go where I want to go, be involved with what I want to be involved with, God says, all right, there's payday for this decision, but when you say, God, I'm going to seek you first and everything, all of my decisions are going to first start with me acknowledging you. He says, one of the rewards is he becomes the director of your life and of your path. Now, to recompense, once again, means to repay. It means to reward. But it also means to restore, refresh, or repair. It means to restore, which means to repair, or refresh or repair. When I work for the kingdom of God, part of the recompense that God gives you is that he restores you. That he repairs broken areas in your life that God has a way to make you whole beyond what you thought possible because you decided to commit fully to God and not just a percentage to God. It also means to give back. So once again, when we are using the term recompense, it means to repay, it means to reward, it means to restore. You know, that's one of the things that can happen when you give God your marriage and you say, God, we are committed. See, this is what this is the this is the rub. A lot of people go to church to have the wedding, but they never really invite God inside of their marriage. Their marriage is something that's separate from God. The only time they want to talk about God and want to exchange vows is for the wedding day. And that's what happens. They go before the altar. They got all the dresses on. The men got their tux on. They stand and they have the ceremony, and they say all the words. The preacher prays the prayer, and they walk out the door. And that's the last time God has consideration inside of their marriage. And so what happens is God says, I am not in a position to restore it when it falls apart. I'm not in a position to repair or refresh your marriage because I was never invited. And since I wasn't invited, when the recompense comes, you're still on your own. And so what we have to do, everything, every decision that I make, I need to have in mind that there is a payday for the decisions that I'm making. The God of recompense is going to repay me based on the decisions I made. And we just discovered that one of those definitions is to restore. If you say, God, you got in my house, not just on the wedding day, but throughout my marriage. God, I submit to you. God says, all right, because of the fact you submitted to me, you humble yourself before me, I am able in your house to restore, to refresh and repair even the areas of your broken marriage. Now, we are continuing to set up this foundation. Let's turn over to Psalms 27. Psalms 27. Psalms 27. And let's look at verse number 13. We're only going to get so far in this session as we set up this foundation. To recompense means to repay. It means to reward. It means to restore, refresh, refresh. Repair, it means to give back. Now watch this, Psalms 27. This is a Psalm of David, but I believe it's something that we can get hold of in our lives. Notice this. verse number 13. Psalms 27 and verse number 13. Notice this, the scripture says, I had fainted unless I had believed to see the goodness of the Lord in heaven. Do you see that? No, you do not. Let's look at the scripture again. He says, I would have fainted unless I had believed to see the goodness of the Lord. Notice what he says. In the land of the living. Now, a lot of times we don't even know that we read it that way. I would have fainted unless I... I believe to see the goodness of the Lord in heaven. He doesn't say in heaven. He says in the land of the living. He ain't talking about in heaven. He's talking about right here on the earth. He says I would have fainted. Well, to faint means I would have fallen apart. I would have fell on the ground. Another translation is I would have caved in, or we could even use the term I would have quit but there was something that was holding me from quitting. There was something that was holding me from fainting. There was something that was holding me together. I believe something about my God. David, what did you believe about God? He said, I believe that I would to see the goodness, his goodness in the land of the living. I would have quit. I would have stopped, I would have fainted if I did not have this belief system is that my God is the God of recompense, that I'm going to see his goodness, but I'm not gonna see it when I die only. No, no, no. I'm gonna see his goodness in the land of the living and that's where the rub is because it's possible for you to walk through life And do things year after year after year and you ain't seen his goodness and your belief system begins to shift. That this ain't worth nothing. This ain't going nowhere. And what my assignment is, the Bible says faith comes by hearing and hearing by the word of God is to stir you in remembrance that your God is going to show his goodness to you, not just in heaven, but here on the earth. The word goodness is interesting. Comes from a Hebrew word which means beauty. It means welfare, but it also means fairness. He says, I would have it unless I had believed to see the fairness of God. God's fair to me, his beauty towards me, his welfare of the Lord. And it also means his prosperity. I would have it unless I had believed. I believed that I would see his goodness in the land of the living. One of the reasons why David could say this with a level of boldness is because he knows that the only reason why he's king is because of God. Same thing that we see in the book of Exodus with Moses. Anytime Moses, is a, his back is against the wall, the first thing he does, he falls on his face and he says, the only reason why I'm here is because God put me here. What does that mean? God, I expect you to do something because I didn't put myself here. That might be a question that we have to ask. Who put you where you are? Is it God or was it you? And if it's you, then you don't have a right to believe that God will repay you in the assignment because you ain't in the assignment. You're doing what you want to do. You know, as the old saying, there is safety in the will of God. Being in the center where he's called you to be allows you to say with confidence, you know what, I might have quit. But I believe I'm going to see the goodness of the Lord in the land of living because I'm doing what he told me to do. I'm going where he told me to go. When I run up against a difficult spot, I know that he will because I didn't put myself here. We can be just like Paul, and we've been looking at that for the last couple of weeks where he says, I can be troubled on every side, but I'm not crushed. I can be perplexed. In other ways, I don't see a way out, but I'm not in despair. I can be persecuted, but I know I'm not forsaken. I can be cast down, but I know I'm not destroyed. Why? Because ultimately, the reason why I'm here is because of God, and the God that repays, the God that rewards, the God that restores, the God that gives back will take care of me. What does that mean? I believe I'm going to see his goodness in the land of the living. Let's look at Exodus 33 and verse 19. I want you to notice this since we are reading Exodus. Exodus 33 and verse number 19. Exodus 33 and verse number 19 talks about where Moses is like, man, God, I've been spending time with you. I want to I see you. <laughs> I want to see your face, and God said, no man can look upon God and live. But he said, he says, there's something I'm going to do for you, Moses. Notice what he says in verse number 19. And he said, he said I will make my goodness to pass you. He said, I'm going to put you in the cleft of the mountain, and I'm going to pass by you. But notice how he defines, when he passes by him, how he defines his passing by him. He says, I will make all my goodness pass before thee. And I will proclaim the name of the Lord before thee and will be gracious to whom I am gracious and will show mercy on whom I will show mercy. First part of verse number 19, he says, I will make all my goodness pass before you. One of the reasons why David said I can expect the goodness of God in the land of the living is because he knew God. God is good. He he doesn't have goodness. He is good. And I can expect the goodness of God in my life because I can expect God in my life. Now, notice this. The Amplified Version of the Bible of 27, verse 13, back in Psalm says, what would you become, what would become of me Had I not believed that I would see the Lord's goodness in the land of the living. What will become of you if you stop believing that you're going to see God's goodness? One of the reasons why you stop believing you'll see God's goodness is because you've disconnected from God. Because when you disconnect from God, you stop believing in his goodness because you don't know him. Because he is good. When I stay connected to God, I believe in his goodness in my life because I know him and he is good. He can't separate himself from who he is. He is good. Every good and perfect gift comes down from above. Any good in your life came and originates from God. I believe that I'll see the goodness of the Lord in the land of the living because he is the God that repays. He is the God that rewards. He is the God that restores. I have confidence in it because of the fact I'm doing what God told me to do. Now, I don't have confidence when I'm doing what it is I want to do or whatever I or my desire or my flesh leads me. Psalms 27. Let's look at that. I'm sorry. Yeah, 27. And verse number 14. Now, 13 tells us, I would have faint unless I believed to see the goodness of the Lord in the land of the living. So back in Psalms 27, if we drop down just a bit, it goes on to say, in the land of the living, notice he says, all right, now there's a prescription that the word of God is giving us. He says, wait on the Lord, be of good courage, and he shall strengthen thy heart. Wait, I say, on the Lord. Well, the word there, wait, now, again, I've said in the past, and I'll say again tonight, you know, I've heard many preachers say, well, when he says wait on the Lord, it means to serve God. There is an aspect of that that I don't discount at all. That's absolutely true, yes. But the word there literally is translated from a Hebrew word, which means expect the Lord. Expect. So when he says wait on the Lord, he means to expect the Lord. And the next prescription, he says, is be of good courage. Well, what does it mean to be of good courage? It literally means to be resolute, to be of good and courage. Expect the Lord and be resolute in this level of your expectation. What does resolute mean? It means to be fixed. It means to be determined in mind. It means to be absolute. It means to be final in my house. Do I have an expect God attitude? One of the reasons why we're talking about this right now is because the Bible says faith come by hearing and hearing by the word of God. I can't expect the God of recompense to operate in my life if I have no expect God in my spirit. I expect God. Not because of my goody goodness, but because I'm on assignment. I expect God because I'm doing what he told me to do. I'm expecting God because of the promises that he declared in the scriptures. Because I'm a diligent seeker, I can expect God to reward me, which is to compensate or to, in fact, restore, to give back to me. He says he's a rewarder of them that diligently seek him, which is a promise. So my expect God attitude is not arrogance, it's based on the word of God all Alrighty. so he says wait on the lord or in other words expect the lord be resolute be of good courage be strong be firm be fixed be determined be determined of mind and he says he will strengthen your heart so he says when you have an expect god attitude when you have a sense of being resolute in regards to this he becomes responsible for strengthening your heart. He becomes responsible for, uh, for uh, strengthening your heart. What is that? All of this is operating in faith. To expect God means I have to have an operation of my faith. To stand in faith means I got to be resolute. I have to say, no, we're going to stick with this. I might see that, but I'm going to stick with this. That's what David is saying here by inspiration of the spirit. To wait on the Lord. And he says, when you do that, God says, I'm going to strengthen you in the wait. And then he says, wait, I say, on the Lord. In other words, He go back and let me read it one more time. Expect the Lord. Be resolute. The God that sees you doing these things will strengthen you. He will strengthen your heart, your innermost being. And then he says, all right, and since this happens, continue to expect the Lord. What expectation are you talking about, Dave? Verse 13, I would have fainted unless I had believed. This is how it works. I have an expect God attitude. I'm resolute in regards to this. I would have fainted, but I had an expect God attitude that I was going to see his goodness in the land of the living. And even when I don't see good, I have a still, I'm going to stay in a position where I still expect God. Something's going to happen. He's the God of the turnaround. He's the God of the breakthrough. Something's going to change in my house. Something's going to change on my job. Something's going to change in my situation because I have an expect God attitude. The Amplified says like this, wait and hope for and expect the Lord. Be brave and of good courage and let your heart be stout and enduring. Yes, wait for and hope for the Lord. Now let's look over at Galatians chapter six and verse number eight. The God of recompense, faith in the God of recompense, that God will repay, that God will restore, that God will give back, God will refresh, God will uh, uh, repair the faith, That God will balance out the books, if you will. Galatians chapter 6. Galatians chapter 6 and verse number 8. Now notice this. For he that soweth to the flesh shall of the flesh reap corruption. But he that soweth to the spirit shall of the spirit reap life everlasting. So, the whole verse, chapter number five, talks about sowing to your flesh and what happens when you sow to your flesh. Talks about it ends up in uh, chapter number six. He says ultimately, what's going to happen when you sow to your flesh? You're going to reap corruption, or another translation uses the word decay. But it said, "He that sows to the spirit shall reap life everlasting." Now, notice verse number eight. He said in verse number nine, he says, "And let us not be weary in well doing." Now. Every time I look at that, and he says, "Let us not be weary in well doing." I can't to understand that being weary in well doing must be a temptation that happens to every single one of us. You're doing the right thing, but you get tired. You're doing, you're making the right commitments, making all the right decisions, but what happens if you allow yourself? You will become weary in doing what is right. I made a commitment. I'm going to do this. God, you see me. And little by little, if you're not careful, your levels of faithfulness will begin falling back off because of the fact you're beginning to get weary. Or there are other things that enter in that try to choke the word, as Mark chapter 4 talks about. There are other circumstances that happen. And little by little, the same commitment that you had back here begins to fall off. You're getting weary and doing the right thing. He says, Let us not be weary in doing what's right. He says, why? Because in due season, for in due season, we shall reap. But he doesn't have a period there. He says, in due season, we shall reap. But he has a big, right behind that comma, if. If we faint not. Your harvest is contingent upon you not fainting. I would have fainted unless I believed to see the goodness of the Lord in the land of the living. David said the contingency, I understand the concept that my harvest is contingent upon whether or not I continue in my faithfulness. When I feel like getting weary, I tell my body, I tell my circumstances, you get back in line, I'm going to stick with my commitments that I have made. I'm not going to get weary in what he told me to do. I'm not going to get weary in what my assignment is because I believe to see the goodness of the Lord. What does that mean? I believe there is a due season where I'm going to reap a harvest of the seeds that I am, in fact, sowing. Notice this. The voice translation says this. May we never tire of doing what is good and right before the Lord or before our Lord because in his season, We shall bring in a great harvest if we can just persist. If we just can persist. Now, turn over to Genesis chapter 8. Let's look at this really quick. If we can persist. So if I am, once again, faith in the Lord God, of recompense means that I have faith that God is going to reward my persistence. God is going to reward my good deeds. God's going to reward me doing what is right. I know that even though it feels like ain't nothing happening, ain't nothing changing, I'm not going to faint because I believe to see the goodness of the Lord, not in the hereafter, but in the now, in the land of the living. My due season is on its way. Genesis chapter number 8. Now notice this. Chapter number 8 and verse 22. Genesis chapter number 8 and verse number 22. Now notice what it says. Uh, The King James Version of the Bible says, while the earth remaineth. Now, does the earth remain? This, This is very simple question. Are we still on the earth? Are we about to go into a new season? Like, Do you, do you see the, the pollens out? Do you see the, that means that the earth is still rotating, right? That means it remained. We know that the seasons are uh, directly connected to the rotation of the earth. So the earth remained. We're going from winter into spring and from spring into summer which means that the earth is perpetual; It's still here. He says, and this is important because this is uh, during the time of the flood. Uh, This is during the time when uh, the the great destruction that Noah and his family saw, and God's making some promises to him. Notice what he says. He says, while the earth remaineth, you see this earth is here. We are generations away from this time of the flood. The earth is still here, still making its rotation. Notice what he says. See time. And harvest. Cold and heat, notice he says summer and winter, day and night shall not cease. Sea time and harvest. Cold and heat, and that's what we're, what's happening right now. We're going from cold into the heat, summer. Uh, into the winter from winter into summer for us he says just like you see it turning from day to night from night to day because the earth remaining because of the uh of the, the earth spinning or uh, rotating around the sun for seasons because it's rotating and we're having day and night he says you understand these natural concepts he says seed time and harvest it ain't gonna cease seed time and harvest now we understand this in the agricultural sense, that if you put a seed in the ground, it will produce a harvest if the harvest, if the ground is in fact uh, fertile to produce the harvest. What God is trying to get us to understand, this is a law. And as long as the earth remains, as long as this system is still in place, seed time and harvest ain't gonna stop. And so when he says, let us not be weary in well doing, for in due season we shall notice what he says, you going to reap. Why can you say this with confidence, Paul? Because the earth remaineth, and he said, as long as the earth remaineth, every seed that you planted has a day of harvest attached to it. It's either going to be something that is desirable or it's going to be something that you don't desire, but it's not God, it's the seed that you have sown. And the God of recompense is going to recompense or pay you back for what you have sown. If it's to your flesh, he says, we're going to have to have a payday for your flesh. And if it's a spiritual thing, a spiritual assignment, God says there is a due season in your life if you don't quit. Let us not be weary. In doing what's right. Because there is a due season if you do not faint. One last scripture Ecclesiastes chapter number three. One last scripture, and we're going to stop there. Faith in the God who recompenses. So, faith in the God of recompense. Faith in the God that will repay. He says, The earth remains, there is going to be a payday. Every seed that you've sown has a harvest attached to it. Every good thing that you've sown in this earth has a harvest attached to it. Ecclesiastes chapter three, verse number one. Notice it says, to everything, there is a season and a time for every purpose under the heaven. To everything. There is a season and a time for every purpose under the heaven. The voice translation says, for everything that happens in life, there is a season and a right time for everything under the heaven. Anytime God calls you to do something, anytime he calls you to, as we see with the children of Israel, areas of sanctification, I want you to separate from this, separate from that, and you do it. God says, I'm going to repay you for your acts of obedience. It ain't usually ain't doing that and you ain't gonna get something from it. Every yes to God has a harvest of good that is going to be in manifestation in your life, not just in heaven, but here on the earth. I'm telling you right now, there's gonna come a day when you're gonna see my family walk in prosperity and God's going to be like, it's because of all the seeds that were sown when nobody knew who you were. Because the same God that sees your faithfulness in silence, he rewards you openly. You know, they even say, uh, I, heard, uh, I heard somebody, I can't even remember what the lady's name was, say that the average person thinks that an overnight success is an overnight success. But in reality, an overnight success, it usually takes about nine to 10 years to be a quote unquote overnight success. In other words, you gotta put in the time. The time when nobody sees you. You gotta put in the time of the grind of being faithful. You gotta, you got to do the things that are small so that the God, and I'm gonna show you this as we continue to go into this. The God that sees and he's the one that promotes you, When the time of acceleration, because there is a season when God says all of the seeds that you have sown in the dark, in the back, in the corner, he says there's a time where I'm going to give a harvest and what is going to seemingly happen is there's going to be a time of promotion and acceleration where he says, all right, I'm going to propel the prepared person. But that's based on what are you doing right now? Am I giving something the Lord God of recompense the recompense me for am I or did I get weary because it got too hard did I stop did I move away from my commitments because it was too time-consuming did I move away from my commitments because it cost me too much when God Almighty says all right you getting ready to walk into your new season but you're only going to get 25% because you backed away because you got weary. I don't want that to be said about me. When I reach that season, I want God to say, all right, all of it, you get a hundredfold because you did a hundredfold here and you are old. Now I'm balancing the book. You are old recompense for the work you've already done. We'll pick up here on Sunday. Father in the authority of the name of Jesus. Lord, we won't get weary in well-doing. Lord, you wouldn't tell us don't get weary in well-doing. Get the temptation, the emotions of being weary aren't real. Even in areas where our marriage is concerned, God, we won't get weary in doing what's right. Where are areas of our job, God. We won't get weary in doing, where, in doing well, uh, good things. We won't get weary in well-doing. We won't get weary in well-doing where school is concerned, God. Because we believe In your goodness. We believe to see your goodness in the land of the living. We believe that in due season, we shall reap. And so we decide as an act of our will, God, we ain't going to faint. We're going to have an expect God attitude in our house. And since we have an expect God attitude and we're going to be resolute in regards to that God, we thank you that we believe that we receive your strengthening on the inside in our inner man, that you will encourage us, that you will, that, that we guard against depression, we guard against discouragement. God, we choose to believe in your goodness. That a faithful man, a faithful woman, you said would abound with the blessing. So Lord, we just put you in remembrance. And we give you praise, Lord, that we're gonna see your goodness. And we're gonna be candidates for recompense. In Jesus' name we pray. Everyone said, amen. Praise the Lord. Well, we shall see you on Sunday. And we'll pick up right here. Amen.